You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. You know what, Kevin? I think it's about time that I hit the record button now that you've absolutely insulted me yet again. Kevin, I'm back. We kicked out Mike. How are you going? I have no idea what episode we're up to, but uh, you should. You, you do all the work here. We're, we're up to episode 118, and I will say cheers to you on episode, the, the beginning here of episode 118. 118. Well, well Kevin's drinking. I drank last night. Uh, Mike, I hope you've been drinking, especially after the episode last week. Thank you for filling in. We really appreciate it. I haven't had a chance to uh, listen to it yet, but Kevin has sort of indicated that I may not be talking to him this week if I did. So, gee, that's going to be an interesting listen a bit later on in the day, isn't it? I might have to uh, edit this episode just so that I can show in you know, some little bits and pieces in retaliation, you see. No, uh, no, 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 no. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, dear uh, me. Jeez, some no, people uh, never grow up, do they? That's correct. Uh, no, I do appreciate Mike jumping in and helping out while you were uh, taking care of your family there, and I trust everything's doing well. Yeah, Nicholas is out of hospital, which is great, and uh, on the road to recovery, and uh, yeah, thank God, you know, it was something really serious, it was a bacterial infection in the throat, Uh, but, you know, kids are amazing, they just bounce back, you know, you you think, you know, he should still be quite ill, but no, two days in hospital, and uh, actually two nights in hospital, I should say, three days in, in full, and uh, you'd think I'd still be out of it by this weekend. Not these bouncing around like nothing ever happened. And they're so resilient. It's uh, it's quite impressive to say. I know if I went there, I'd still be in in hell's kitchen. You know, with the pain and the torture. You know. Yeah, but see, but for you to go to hospital, you'd have had to been half dead. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I know that. You know what? He's a brave little fellow, though, Kevin, because he he actually had the he had blood tests taken, he had the drip in, and so forth. He never cried a bit. He just he, he looked as though doing it and, and taking the blood and everything didn't cry. I mean, I had to look away and look out the window. I, I couldn't look at that stuff. It was just like, no, nah, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. Him, he just looked and went, ho hum, whatever. And it's like, you know, he's a brave little fella. So uh, very proud of him. Yeah, he, he it is. I'm glad to hear he's doing well. We were all thinking about him here in Descend, and uh, my kids were all asking about him, make sure he was doing oh well, oh oh well, okay. And uh, I was <laughs> oh well, he's them up. doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tongue tied already. I barely had any beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my wild turkey last night didn't even hit the sides. Normally, when I, I drink wild turkey, I get sort of a fuzziness in the cheeks, a numbness, if you will. It's quite a nice tingly sensation and uh i i didn't get it so uh might have to have two tonight just to see if i can get that tingle happening again well i feel fuzzy on my face and my chin i wonder if that oh the way that's my beard i'm sorry that's because you got a ferret growing there kevin (laughs) it's a white ferret too (laughs) (laughs) oh you're not doing too bad you still got a bit of dark hair there i still got a bit of hair Everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you got more hair than me. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I've just got the runway. You know, that, that's all I have, just the runway straight down the middle of the head. But you know what? It, it, look, it adds character. It also makes me look like Krusty the Clown, but, you know, it, it adds character. Do you have the superfluous third nipple like, like Krusty the Clown does? No. I can't say I do. Okay, well, there's a bit of information for you listeners. Mark only has two nipples, now it's known. <laughs> Thank God, two that I know of anyway. God knows, there'll probably be a third one just pop out now just to, uh, to spite <laughs> me, I'm sure. Crazy yeah, you stuff. never know when those superfluous nipples will show up on you. No, no, you never do. Hey, Kevin, do you know what? I, I've, I, I love my MacBook Air, but I'm starting to get RSI from using it. And no, it's not from doing that other thing that us men do. I use the other hand for that. Okay, but oh god! 
<laughs> oh dear God! There's an image I, I did not need. I had to oh. make it clear. I had to. I had to spell it out. I'm sorry, but I had to do it. Now, but see what what I'm not used to is I'm always oh, previously I'd always be used to tap 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 on the keyboard and then mouse 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 over to the side. But because I use the trackpad now exclusively with the MacBook Air, my my hands is cramping up. I'm not used to it, so it's you know this repetitive strain injury type thing. So. Yeah, very tender. I love my MacBook Air, but only problem with it is that, you know, it's causing a little bit of, of strain in the wrist. But, uh, you know what, I've been watching a couple of movies on it when the kids have been using the TV and they've been playing the Wii. And the, the thing that I love about it in comparison with the iPad, the iPad, especially on, on the, the smart cover, would always stand up at a certain angle. And you always had to kind of... If, if you had it on the table, you had to have your chair adjusted to sit accurately to, to best see it. Whereas, of course, with the MacBook Air screen, you can move it forward. So I can sort of lay back in, in my chair into this almost reclining position and just have the screen tilted further down. And, and, and it really works. And that's something else that I, I really love from it. Did I mention that I got a new MacBook Air a few weeks ago, Kevin? It's beautiful. No, you haven't met you haven't mentioned that, and I really think you should tell the listeners that you got a new MacBook. I got Air a new MacBook Air, Kevin. Oh, it's <laughs> it's beautiful. It's my little baby. It's um, you know what? My favorite Mac of all time. I, I miss my iMac, and when I go out to it, and it's got the because it's still in the family room. It's still, you know, the family computer. So I use it occasionally, and it's like yeah, it's nice to have that big screen. But honestly, I don't miss the screen size that much unless, you know, there's a couple of things where it's a little niggledy, like doing graphics work and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, I thought I'd be worried about the, the RAM limitation, only getting the 4GB model. It's perfectly adequate. No problem with it. Yes, I do exceed it. Yes, I do have swap files. Uh, but the SSD is so fast that it really doesn't worry me. And hey, the battery lasts all day long, so you know, pretty well, impressive. You know, whenever I use a laptop, it doesn't matter what laptop it is, whether it's my MacBook Air, which you made fun of, my poor little MacBook Air, and uh, or my work laptop or something like that. If I'm using them for more than just a few minutes, I do one of two things. If it's the MacBook Air, I hook up a mouse because it it, it is uncomfortable for me, and I have a tendency to tap when I don't mean to mm-hmm. when I'm typing and, and you know oh, okay. what kind of problems that can cause yeah and um, the other thing and now at work uh, the laptops I have at work what I'll do there a lot of times is I turn the trackpad off mm-hmm. and then just use the little thumbstick in the middle if I don't have a I love the thumbstick I, I must admit that's one thing that never made it to the Mac well actually that's not correct because it did make it into the PowerBook I don't know, 100 series, something like that. There was a couple of models where, remember they had the option, they had the little square touchpad, and then they had that little round ball um, with the clicker on either side. You know, when they had the mice without the balls underneath, they had it on top. Those are called girl mice. (laughs) The the, the little mice without the balls underneath, those are called girl mice. Oh, Okay. (laughs) I, I thought we were talking about the balls on top, but, you know. You never want to get the beans over the frank. No, no, you don't. And thank God I've never had that luxury of doing that. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, you've thrown me out here. So, yeah, they, they had that. And then I'm sure that there was at least one model, one series, maybe in, like, 96, 97, something like that, that where Apple did have the little track ball button thinny majiggy whatever you would call it. I, I don't know what they really call them, but, you know, it's a, oh, yeah, it's a, I, a, a nubjule. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, the little there, uh, trackball. Hey, Kevin, there's your third nipple right in the middle of the keyboard. <laughs> oh, what, you mean my microphone? No, 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 the little knob. That's the, But it's not superfluous. It's useful, okay. It's a useful nipple. Yeah. Okay. Point so, taken. see, I have three. I have three useful ones. You have two that are unused and may have a third one growing somewhere. Hmm. There's and, an image nobody wants. No, especially me. Uh, and anyway, so um, 
No, it's one of those technologies that I'd actually like to see in the MacBook line. I, I think it'd be really cool, not as, you know, to replace the trackpad, because the trackpad is awesome, but it would just, sometimes it would make computing a little bit easier. But I also look at using a mouse with it, and I go, ah, it kind of defeats the purpose. You know, it's all built into this one little unit. I can take it anywhere. I'm not going to drag a mouse around with me. I can understand why you do it, though makes perfect sense and it would certainly help with the rsi problem i've got um but you know what i'll get used to it as you know with everything you, you get used to it i've only had it three weeks a month something like that now uh so you will get get used to the trackpad in the end and it won't hurt so much and you know look this wrist that is hurting it's been hurt in years gone past anyway so it's not just the usage of this has caused it. It's just that it's brought the pain back, and because I've I've got straps and wrist straps and everything for for this wrist anyway. I, I, I was going to ask if you've got a wrist brace that you can wear. I've got one that yeah. I wear. When I thought I thought I was actually having RSI issues, and it wasn't as much RSI as it was the way I had my keyboard on my desk here is my desk has, it's not a real sharp edge, but it's a little bit of an edge here. And the way I was laying my arm up there, it was pinching on the nerves. There oh, really yeah. was an RSI. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, you know, I got to, because there would be nights I'd be sitting here and my arm would just hurt so bad, and I would just lay it flat out up on the desk. And I was going, oh, that feels so much better. And then if I found I wasn't typing too much, I went, oh, okay, light coming on. Kevin, you're a little dense. It's the edge of the desk there that is actually causing you the problem. So that's when I started using the, uh, pardon me, using the keyboard tray that I have underneath my desk here. Mm-hmm. And I put. I hate uh, those trays, but they are useful. Well, this one's kind of unobtrusive. What I used to use it for before I did that, I had hard drives sitting underneath here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had enough cord I could, and I had them kind of tucked back under, and I could see the activity running on all the hard drives. I haven't done that for a while, but I did at one time have stuff there. And I used to keep notepads and stuff underneath there, what I was doing. But when that's, I reconfigured things, cool. yeah, and it's part of the desk. I mean, it came as part of the desk. And this is the only one I've ever had that I actually like. Mm-hmm. So I'd show yeah. it to you, but that would involve me picking up the iMac and turning it upside down to show it to you. Yeah, we might do that post-show. Uh, but look, i got to admit, I need a new desk as well, because I'm, I'm running on the old desk that I had the iMac on, and it's just it's the wrong size. I've got this tiny little MacBook Air on this massive desk. And so what I really need to do is just get a new desk and, and get one that's slightly smaller. And um, I've looked at a, a few nice ones, um, but they don't match the the color of the furniture that we've got. So it's like, oh, I've got to keep looking. But yeah, that that's in my future wish list, I guess, uh, is a new desk that really makes that MacBook Air stand out. You know what you need to do? The MacBook Air would look super cool. You have Ikea in Australia, correct? Oh, God, I hate Ikea. I fucking hate Ikea. That's how much I hate the goddamn place. You know what? I went to Ikea once because Gretel, you know, she just... Oh, let's get Ikea. I want to have a look for this and this and that and some stupid other bloody product. Anyway, so we go in there, and it's a fire hazard 101. You go in one door, but you can't go out the same door. So you've got to walk in, and you've got to walk around. And, and they have it, and I don't know if it's different in the US, but in Australia, they have the Ikea stores locked so that you have to walk around. And you keep walking around in circles, and you keep walking around. There's no straight corridors to go anywhere. It takes you half an hour to get out of the store when you're not looking for anything. It's a goddamn fire hazard. And frankly, this stuff isn't that crash hot. Frankly, it's sweet as shit. I'm not sure if I understand how you feel about IKEA yet, though. I like Swiss cheese, but I yeah, like IKEA. The... Well, what I was going to suggest. Well, you got to put it together yourself. I, I've done too much of that over the years. It's like, no, thank you. I I go to the stores where it's already pre-made, and I don't have to put any effort in. Oh, see, now I built my desk. My wife and I built it. Well, that's, that's it what I've done in the past. But from now on, it's like, no, I'm buying them pre-built. Now, this thing, well, I couldn't have gotten it in here pre-built because it's got um, an L going off to the uh, side okay. here. Yep. Yeah, and I actually, when I moved uh, a little over a year ago now, when I moved over here, I wasn't quite sure 
when we took the L off if it was going to fit mm-hmm. coming because we built it in the room it was in my other what is now my uh, youngest daughter's bedroom and I wasn't sure it was going to fit so but I measured it and it did just fit we had like um, three quarters of an inch extra so we had to line it up really straight when we brought it through the door mm-hmm. and uh, of course I had to take in the L off and because the top of this desk is huge and this thing broken down flat this thing weighed, um, I don't know, I think it was uh, 130, 140 pounds. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's not that it's high quality wood. It's, I mean, it's nice. It's um, It's just big. It's, uh, yeah, it's big and it's um, a particle board with oh, a finish yeah. on top of it. And it had this and I have a matching two-door file cabinet, which is what my printer and stuff sit on. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just. It's just heavy. I mean, this. I've got desk drawer. I got three drawers on one side. I got two drawers behind me. So it's, it's pretty. I mean, well, you think about it. It's big enough. I've got a desk lamp, the iMac, three hard drives, modem, router, two extra monitors, uh, that you, you that, that you don't see, and then you can see down the side here where my mm-hmm. MacBook Air is, and the oh shit, uh, other stuff is going down the side. So I mean, yeah, it's a pretty big desk. But what I was going to suggest that you get that I think looks cool with Macs sitting on them are those frosted glass tops. Oh, no. Jeez. No, no, no. That, that, no. See, I, I like hardwood furniture. So everything now place is hardwood. And it's, you know, it's got a medium lacquer on it. So it's not your extreme dark and it's not a light wood. So it's sort of more a golden, warmish kind of thing. Um, and that just would not look good in this house. Uh, probably not. That's one thing when I bought this desk. The other room it was in was a panel, wood-paneled room. Yep. And and my wife had thought, oh, no, we'll get an oak-colored desk. I said, we can kind of birch oak-colored paneling. The desk will just disappear into the wall. <laughs> that would so be I- a new dimension. Yeah, so what we ended up getting is this is a, a dark, like, uh, dark cherry color. Mm-hmm. Which it, sta- it stood out in there, and even here in this room, uh, as I look around the walls that the listeners can't see, they're kind of a pale blue wood. Uh, it's kind of like a pickling stain that we put on the walls over here. I thought, so, it, I thought it was just mold. Blue mold? When the hell have you seen blue well, mold? You- yeah, the but, wild turkey is now kicking in. But, but, but so it's coming over Skype, so it kind of looks greeny. Oh, does it? Greeny gray. See, it's Skype. Skype's shit. <laughs> it's not shit. It's, <laughs> it's uh, shite. No, that, it's shite. That's it. Shite. Du bist einen Scheistkampf. Say again? Du bist einen Scheistkampf. Oh, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You're a shithead in German. Cool. Teach that to Gretel because she's of German descent. So there you go. That's I can yeah because the only language I ever took and really enjoyed when I was in high school was German. You know what? I, I, still I was forced French. to take French, and uh, and it's a quoi? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I think I can still count to ten, but you know the French teacher was such a punce. I mean, just ah, oh, what a. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I I enjoy I like German I like Russian because they sound angry all the time. Yes, yes, uh, very curt and to the point. And I, I yeah, I, I must admit those languages are very good. French is just too you know I don't know lovey dovey crappy to me, and you know just it, it's not a man's language in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I I enjoy German. I only took one year of it. I rem- but that's been. That was before you were ever born, so I took that, what, in like 77, 78, somewhere mm-hmm. back in there, I don't remember. So you weren't even a glimmer in your daddy's eye at that point, so. Well, I had to but come yeah. along sometime, it's like, you know. Well, we had that discussion on Twitter with Elisa about the fact that her calculator, and I think one of mine are older than you are. I know, that's, um... That's cool, but it's also quite scary, isn't it? You know, it's because uh, I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm mid thirties now, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like I'm, I'm starting to mature at long last. And 
<laughs> it took me long Grunt enough. Out of that too, I think. <laughs> and uh, but you know, that, that's one of those things that you sort of you, you look at it and you think, wow, you know, that is one old calculator. Did they really have calculators back then? <laughs> you know, did they really have computer chips? That's in like the dark ages, you know. And it's like you know, Kevin's flipping me the bird now. Um, but you know, when when you look at it and. It's amazing what happens in your lifetime. Uh, you know, I even, I even just... Sometimes I'll find myself on the walk back and forth to school with the kids. I'll be talking to them about something. They'll ask, how does something work in technology or something? They won't really understand the concept, but they'll... You know, they'll ask, for instance, you know, when am I doing, you know, the video chat with you, Kevin? And then they'll ask, well, how does that work? And, and they kind of... They haven't got their head around, you're in another country... But they know that you're not here, and and you know I've turned around to them and I've said when I was when I was your age, this stuff didn't exist. We didn't have the internet at all. We we couldn't talk to each other like this. We could talk to each other on the telephone. They go, "What's the telephone?" You know, and oh dear, yeah. But <laughs> is, isn't it amazing that in such a short amount of time, technology has changed so much? And like I, I I'm one for complaining all the time about technology. I whinge and bitch and carry on about this not working and that not working and I want to see this happen and that happen and uh, Kevin's got to put up with me and so does Gretel and everyone else who knows me. But the bottom line is that, you know, in five years' time, what we've got now is going to look old. I mean, I, I look at, you know, my iMac now and when I go back to it from the MacBook Air, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, this thing's friggin' slow. I think there's something wrong with it. It's that slow. And it's like, no, I'm just used to ultra fast computing same with the iphone my iphone 4 is starting to slow down i can't wait to get the new one whatever that's going to be and uh i'm actually i'm it's driving me so insane that i'm actually thinking of picking up a five for a couple of months and then selling it but and uh, no, gretel would probably get the shits with me if i did that so yeah I, but you know it, it's amazing how quickly the technology changes to meet the expectations that we've got and then how quickly the technology that we've loved gets superseded. Well, you know, the difference here too is you're of that age where you don't ever remember there not being personal computers. I do because I, I didn't always have one, you see, until I was no, a no, teenager. I no, no, I don't mean that you didn't have one. But, oh, a, a time when computers did not exist in the home or in the school system. Yeah, okay, yes. yep. Sure. No, because when I, when I was in, I, I recall when I was in year three, I was a, a whiz on the Commodore sixty four at that stage. Um, I was actually in charge. The teacher at the time put me in charge of the Commodore sixty four. That was kind of cool. So I, because I, I was the only one who could actually, you know, start it up, get things booted, and get things printed, and get things saved, and <laughs> you know, I, I was a, a little nerd and a geek, and uh, you know. I, I got yeah, in there see, young, I guess. Yeah, see, now, again, I was a geek, but I was not, there were not computers when I, the first PC showed up when I was a junior in high school, mm-hmm. before they showed up, and those were TRS-80s that showed up in the school at that point. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know. I, I Kevin, was your computer a slide rule? You know, that's funny, I don't know how to use a slide really? rule. Really? Wow. There was, I was right at that cusp where they taught us with calculators, scientific calculators as opposed to slide rule. I was, I was like, a year or so past it where they didn't teach so, us. So, see, slide you're not rule. that old. Yeah, but no, I didn't miss it by much. <laughs> but you still missed it. Yeah, but by the hair of a gnat's butt, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean. You know, when, when we talk about calculators, I did a couple of things with calculators. I used to play calculator cricket, number one, and I used to try and do the dirty words like boobies. Why does that not surprise me? That's probably why I'm not good at mathematics, because literally, in, in my high school years, I would spend every single period of mathematics just playing calculator cricket with the guy that was sitting next to me. We used to verse each other at calculator cricket. It was great. Really good game. Oh, dear Lord. And, and if you want to know how to play it, you've got to look it up on Google, because I can't remember the rules. But, you know, it, 
it was, you know, done really well and really simple, and, and it's really good. And the first one to a century won. It was fun. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. Great technology, and he uses it to play cricket on. I and, give and, you the and, burden and, I must and, bear, folks. And, and write boobies. And write boobies. Oh, dear God in heaven. you got to write boobies. I mean, you know. Well, I, I will admit. Hey, at least, I, first... at least I, I don't know the number, the specific number that, you know, I'd have to look it up. You know, number, turn the calculator upside down, there's boobies. I like saying Would boobies. Be... It's fun. It would be five hundred eighty-one or five hundred thirty-one thousand. Right, I gotta count the number of digits. No, five million three hundred and eighteen thousand eight. If I'm thinking of it right. So, so you you even know the boobies one? Hey, you know what can I say? I'm a guy. There's nothing I can do about that part. Exactly. <laughs> it's just I obsessed over it, and you didn't. You got down to the mathematics and actually learned something. And uh, yeah. I just kept looking at the boobies. Yeah. That's a, and now we've switched roles. I'm looking at the boobies, and now you're trying to learn to do math. <laughs> no, I'll never learn to do math. I'm going back to uh, refine my English skills. Thank God it doesn't take any mathematics to do that. Uh, you know, look, I have, a, I have a better respect for mathematics as an adult. And as we said the last time we podcasted, you know, it, it's one of those things that when you're a teenager, you're stupid, especially boys. I mean, boys are just dumb. Uh, you know, we're idiots. Our testosterone's going through the roof. And our ability to, you know, head down, ass up and study, just, it's not there. You know what I mean? And and I was definitely one of those that, you know, wasn't really there. I, I could have done so much more with my life. But you know what? I'm, I'm happy to be of the age now where I can acknowledge that. And not make the same mistakes again and go and rectify it. So, you know, it, it's a good feeling to uh, to be able to say, you know what, I can respect this situation now. And boy, I was a douchebag. <laughs> well, it's nice. That's the first step to recovery is admitting you were a douchebag. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I, you know, I I actually wrote a, an article which uh, featured you on my site. Um, it was a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. I've got to thank everyone who uh, replied to it and so forth because it was me putting myself out there. It was me publicly acknowledging in writing, uh, you know, that whilst I had achieved some things in life, you know, at one, st- at one stage I thought I was a great photographer. You know, I worked for one of the leading scientific organisations in Australia and, and the world. And it's like, yeah, no, you weren't really that good. And that wasn't really the career for you. It took me a long time to admit that to myself. But, you know, when you actually publish it and get it out there and get it off your chest, boy, it's actually, it's good. I'm actually going to start as part of almost a therapeutic kind of thing, Kevin. I'm going to actually start maybe once every two weeks, once a month. It'll depend on my workload. But I'm going to put out different little tidbits of articles of you know, okay, it's time for me to come clean on this. It's time for me to empty out the closet, take the skeletons out, and come clean and publicly acknowledge this stupid thing I did or this idiotic thing I did and make peace with it. And, you know, this will take years because I've done some stupid things. <laughs> um but, you know, it, it, look, it's it's confronting, it's scary, because you, you, you go into air your dirty laundry out in public. And I was thinking, should I set up another website? And I'm like, no, people know me for who I am. And I also want people to accept me for who I am, the good and the bad. Um, you know, people need to start being more tolerant of people. Um, and, and so this is just one way for me to turn around and say, you know what, this was a crappy situation. Boy, this person pissed me off in life. You know, I, I shut on, on this person and, you know, I'm, I'm going to rectify it and be remorseful over my stupid actions or I'm, I'm going to just get it off my chest, you know. There's been so many disappointments in, in life that I've had um, at the hands of other people, you know, that couldn't be avoided that it it just needs to get off my chest so that I can move forward and be happy and you know it's hard it's one of those things that you don't want to air your dirty laundry but it's one of those things that I feel comfortable doing I feel comfortable being open and honest 
I really, I dislike lies and deceit. It's the one thing with humanity that I really dislike. And you know what? One day I'll, I'll write an article over, you know, the astronomical bullshit that, you know, I told my mother as a teenager and the trouble it got me into. I'll, and that's the reason why I turned around and now I, I refuse to lie. I don't bullshit at all. And it, it was that one pivotal moment that, you know, when I was, you know, I think uh, 13 or so, that, you know, really turned me around and said, right, I ain't lying ever again, you know. And now, you know, it's sort of like I just tell it how it is and people have to accept that or they don't. But, you know, you you, you got to open it up because there's so much to me. There's so many skeletons in the closet that nobody knows. Even Gretel doesn't know a lot of these things because I, I keep it locked up. But for my own sanity, I need to let it out. And who knows, maybe one day I'll have enough little chapters built up that I can actually release a book and uh, make some money off my wild events of my life. You know, this almost starts to sound like when the tell-all madams down in Washington, D.C. published a book about all the politicians that they've had as customers. (laughs) Yeah, look, it is a tell-all. And it's hard because I've I've got maybe a half-dozen different stories that I want to get out there. And they're in different stages of being complete. And they're only in different stages of completeness because I'm still scared to release them. I'm still scared to go, boom, there it is. But it's that fear that also makes me want to release it, to get it off my chest, to say, I did a dumb thing. You know, I I came across a news article this last week where, you know, they were saying that teenage girls in particular have never been so humiliated in in history as they are today everything that they do if they screw up it's on facebook within seconds if they do something stupid it's on facebook it's you know on social networks and it's there to stay it doesn't go away whereas in in decades gone past if you did something stupid a handful of people would know about it and then you'd just move on and you'd be able to get over that embarrassment well, I'm sort of working the, the reverse way. I want the embarrassment. I want people to be shocked. I want people to go, wow, I didn't think Mark would be like that. And it's just therapy for me. It's it's not to degrade anyone. It's not to say that I'm better than anyone, and that's why I'm writing about this situation. It's not to increase my ego. It's for me to come to peace and come to terms with some of the crappy things I've done and some of the crap that you know, has, has been part of my life. So, Well, obviously you didn't grow up in my family or grow up in the neighborhood I grew up in because if you made one little mistake, it was known immediately <laughs> through half of the county that I lived in. You know, did you hear what Kevin did last night? No, what did he do? He got drunk. <gasps> For shame. He threw up in the neighbor's yard? Yes, you know, and then... I get to church next morning. Why are you throwing up in the neighbor's yard? It's like, what the hell, people? (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, you know, look, I I think everyone should do something like this. It's almost like a diary, but opening the diary up to the public. And I'm also enjoying this because my kids are asking a lot about... They're going to me, Daddy, when you were our age... What did you do? And it's making me think, and it's like, oh, God, jeez, I I buried that. I I didn't want to think about that. But you know what? Bringing it up and saying, guess what? Yeah, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. That's relief. That takes a lot of pressure and a lot of stress off. And, and, you know, barrel. (laughs) I'll strip off in a minute, Kevin. (laughs) You know, it's funny, though. Um. My aunt passed away earlier this week. Oh, um, I'm sorry. She was nine. Oh, that's okay. I mean, she was 91 years old. She was a World War II veteran. That's mm-hmm. how she met my uncle, mm-hmm. who was also a World War II, a B-17 veteran, a veteran of flying B-17 combat missions over Europe. Um, and they had been married for 60, 67 years. Mm-hmm. And you talk about really putting yourself out there 
you know, and, and doing things like that and really telling all and freedom. But, I mean, they were just that way. They were of the mindset that you tell it, you say it, you do it, and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just the way they lived. And, and God bless her soul. God rest her soul. She was a she was a sweetheart. She was an amazing woman. She, If you walked away from her house hungry, it was your own damn fault. <laughs> because she cooked like nobody's business. And uh, there was always food around the house. Um, and she was just an amazing woman. And my uncle's amazing. I mean, he's 92 years old. He still drives. And up until about a year or two ago, they used to drive from where they live down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is where my aunt was originally from. Mm -hmm. And these are people in their late 80s driving down the interstate highway system. Interstate 95, for those that know where that is here in the United States, didn't phase my uncle or my aunt one little bit. You know, 88, 89 years old, in the car and down the road they went. 500-mile <laughs> trip. So Sounds like they lived life to the full. Oh, they did. And my uncle's still going at it. I mean, he has just recently, at 92, started to use a cane. Wow. At 92 years I, old. i got to tell you, if either of us get to that, that age and only then have to use a cane, I think we'd be pretty damn happy. Yeah. He, he's an amazing person. He truly is. Uh, and, and what I was talking, you talk about your kids asking questions. My oldest has gotten interested in history. And when she found out a couple of years ago that she had a great uncle who was a World War II veteran, she was like, I have got to go meet him. And she wants to talk to him. And Uncle Mel will talk. He'll go on and on and tell her anything she wants to know about, mm -hmm. you know, being in World War II and flying on a B-17 and, and all that. So it's... Uh, it should be interesting. I told him the other day when I saw him at the funeral, and he and he said, "Yeah, bring her on over. I'll sit down and talk with her." Fantastic, and so. and, and you gotta love that because whilst war is never the nicest thing to talk about, it, it's also good that the younger generation are interested in it because we learn from our mistakes, not only personally but as a, a complete society, as humanity. If we don't understand the mistakes that were made, then we're bound to repeat them. And even sometimes, unfortunately, we will repeat them anyway, even if we do acknowledge them. So, but it, it's still good. I'm, I mean, that's, it's like the passing of the torch. It, you don't like to talk about it, but at the same time, at least you're going to be remembered. And it's going to be, the information is going to be passed down through generations. And, you know, there's going to be stories told. There's, there's a history there. there there's something yeah. that, you know, society can then hold on to um you know even if you look at say world war one versus world war two there's a lot more known about world war two there's visual information uh yeah. abound with world war two world war one you know photographs yes but not much of anything else um you know there's still a lot of history there but there's not the the video that we have to there's not today. the material no not the material the, no, I mean, there, there was a, a series, uh, World at War, uh, which yes. I, I don't know, you've seen it as well. And, you know, great series, great documentary, and, you know, major majority of it's World War Two, And it just, there's so much, you know, video content. You know, I, I remember these coming on, on VHS, and I think it was on maybe a dozen VHS tapes. And like oh, three, sure, yeah. three hours each tape, just chock a block. And it wasn't boring either. I mean, I was just, I, I literally sat through, and I, I haven't seen them for 10 years, so it's been quite a while. But I sat there watching them, you know, jaw dropping, you know, jaw to the ground, just amazed uh, by how much was actually captured. You know, the, the brave souls that were there on the battlefields actually capturing this stuff. And... Uh, you know, so that we've actually got it. We can actually see the atrocities and, and, and see what's happened. And yeah, it's, it's scary stuff. Yeah. But I, you know, your kids start to want to know these things and the fact that you're documenting this thing is, is good. And I don't, I think my kids know a lot of the stuff I've done. Maybe some things they still don't know about, but they'll find out them as they get older. Cause I'm not too much to shy away from telling story. You know that hell I'll tell almost anything about myself. <laughs> I'm not that bashful. I'm just I'm I've reached that point in my life where you don't like it, well piss off. I really don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm okay. 
I'm yeah. okay with who I am and what I do. Exactly. And, and you've got to get to that stage in life. And I'm just coming to that stage in life. You know, and the whole idea is just to take the embarrassment to a new level and just deal with it and just go, ah, okay, right, now I'm out there. It's there for everyone to see for the rest of the time. If you don't like it too bad, you know, go to another website. It doesn't worry me. Well, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I admire that are like that. And one of the ones that I really admire that's like that is a dear, dear friend of both yours and mine, Honey Boo Boo. She is really out. Christ, Kevin, what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) I had to sneak it in. The new season has started. Here we are. We're we're doing deep and meaningfuls. We're talking about wars, and you throw in stupid friggin' honey boo boo. (laughs) Why do I podcast with this guy, listeners? Why? Why? Why do I do it? He he just had to tell me that the new seasons. Do I care? I don't want to watch something that requires, like, you know, naught point naught 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 one of a brain cell to, you know, entertain myself. Well, now, there's an advantage, though, for you here. I understand Honey Boo Boo is being shipped to the UK, which means it's not going to be long before it makes it to you-know-where. No wonder I don't watch TV anymore. I watch catch-up TV. And I pick and choose what I want to watch. Oh, God. I, honestly, Kevin, I, look, I, I, I saw some clips, you know, when, when you first mentioned it. And I just, I couldn't bring myself to I, I couldn't, I don't even want to pirate that crap. And that's how <laughs> crappy it is that I would not even pirate it. I'll pirate bullshit that I go, oh, yeah, no, I'm not paying money for that. You know, okay, uh, let's see, um... What 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 might I pirate? Uh, maybe is it American porn? P A W N, not porn. As oh in yeah, porno. Pa- pawn as in not porno. Yeah, um, we we say it differently to to you in the U S. Hard, hard, hardcore, hardcore porn. Pawn. There's hardcore pawn. There's um, uh, what's the other one? All, all of those types of ones. You know what? I I'm happy to pirate that. Because if I could watch it with ads online on, like, catch-up TV, I would, but I can't in Australia. So it's like, well, if I have to pirate that, I have to pirate that to see it. But it's what I watch when, you know, I'm eating lunch or something when I I don't really care or when I just want to see, you know, how stupid people are. It's not that I go, oh, religiously, oh, I've got to get episode one and episode two and episode three. You know, that's the stuff that I turn to iTunes for and, and buy the, the season pass, like the Big Ben Theory. I buy the season pass, you know. It's actually one thing that I've been watching recently, Under the Dome. Um, I'm tempted to get the season pass. I'm watching it currently on, on catch-up TV at the moment. But I'm not sure if I want to get the season pass. It's really, really good, but there's a couple of elements that make me wonder about it. I've, I've, I've been wanting to see that show. I saw them advertising it, and I lost track of when it was going to come on. So apparently well, it's already started, and I'm well, going to have to Australia, watch it catch they're up. up to um, episode five or six, I think. So, and we're usually a couple of episodes behind you. This one, though, we might be on par with, but I, I won't give anything away. I'll just say it, it's, all, it's always interesting how... Writers, and this is based on the novel that Stephen King wrote, Under the Dome. Um, but it's always interesting how, if there's an apocalypse, it's always small town America <laughs> that, that gets done. <laughs> I feel sorry for the guys in small town America, that, you know, for Mike and, and uh, anyone else we know in, in small towns, because it's like, okay, this big dome, no one knows where it came from. Um, you know, and, and it just isolates them. Why didn't it happen in the city? Who knows? Um, but it just seems that... Yeah, any- you've, you've never been to American cities. It's, it's okay if they get wiped out. It's not going to really make a big difference. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny. There's always small-town America, and it's never, uh, never, never the big cities. But, you know, look, I, I think the thing... With this, it would have made a brilliant film, or even a brilliant series of films, or even a mini a film mini series, like Stephen King's had his books done so many times before. If you look at uh, The Stand, um, if you look at 
uh, The Shining, and not the one with Jack Nicholson, the, the other version, which I prefer, actually. Um, if, if you look at those, they were made into miniseries, film miniseries, which I think is, is, for his type of storytelling, really works. And I'm a big Stephen King fan. I've read most of his books over the years. I'm actually going back and, and rereading them at the moment. Um, you know, my favourite one of all time is Pet Cemetery. Uh, but the book that I really appreciate, you know, going into being a professional writer is his book on writing, where he details, uh, you know, the way he writes and what he believes writers should do. It's almost like it's a biographical account, but with some advice for for budding writers. Um, and it's just really well written uh, and, and a great read. You know, and his stories are really good. But I don't know, I'm, I'm up to episode three at the moment. And I just feel like they're dealing with one topic and then next episode, another topic, next episode, another topic. I'm like, how long can they go on with this for? How uh, There's not enough mass hysteria either. You know, (laughs) people in in episode three, after a day and a half with the dome being there, there's people walking a dog down the street. And, you know, this, this has... Not only Stephen Kim, but Steven Spielberg is executive producers. Now, okay, they're not necessarily there for the day-to-day running of it. But Jesus Christ, if you've got this dome over you and you are locked in and you cannot get out, I don't think you'd be walking your goddamn dog. Then why wouldn't you be walking your dog? Well, wouldn't you be just going hysterical and, like, you know, finding a way out and and wanting to kill people and going... And then take all the food and all the power and all the batteries. As long as I got power, internet. But ah, oh, they don't have the internet. They don't have telephone. They're cut off from the outside world. They don't have power. Uh, Only houses and generators have powers. So it's really interesting. It's really intriguing. But at the same time, it's like, man, you are just way too calm. Well, I mean, you got to walk the dog because you don't want the dog crapping in the house. I mean, if you don't got power to clean up the crap after he craps in the house. Yeah, but I don't really think you're going to give a shit if that happens. I don't know. I don't want any dogs crapping in my house. <sighs> but imagine. Even the during the zombie apocalypse, I don't want the dogs crapping in my house. Oh, good grief. Oh, well. You know what? There goes Kevin. Zombie Kevin. <laughs> Brains. You know, you'd have a zombie dog, wouldn't you? No, I'd have a zombie cat. He has to be different, doesn't he? He just can't go along with what I suggest. He has to be different. God, that's annoying. I'm. I am that way. I am very annoying. And you know, you would think, and we've known each other what two years now. And it's taking you this long to figure that out? Oh, no, I've known that for longer. It's just the first time I felt like opening myself up and admitting it on live, uh, I was going to say live TV. On <laughs> Boy, that'd be funny if this was a TV show. Jesus Christ. Where, where are the cameras? My <laughs> close-up, Mr. DeMille, my close-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's, that's too funny. It so, is. So... So you were talking, you, but you like the series, the dog? I, I like the series. I think it's really good. I um, it's actually one of the Stephen King books I haven't read, which is good because I don't know what the ending is, and I don't know whether they're going to ruin it with a, a, a series or not. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see. I, I think if they wrapped it up within a year, within one season, that would be nice. I don't think it could go on much longer than that. But then, of course, it depends. You know, how long is each episode in the day of kind of thing? Um, you know, so it's, it's like 24. You know, 24 went for 24 episodes each year, but it was in the space of one day. Okay, cool. So, you, you know, it, it just depends. But there's really no guide as to the time frame uh, within un, Under the Dome, which makes it a little bit difficult. to. Uh, you're left to your own thoughts as to how long they've been there. Um, look, you know, I'm a big fan of Stephen King's stuff, big fan of his films uh, that he has been involved in, and even those that he hasn't. And it just, I don't think it's hit 
the ground running quite yet. I think it's working up to stuff, but it's not quite there yet. And um, But look, I'll, I'll be watching the rest of the season. That's for sure. I mean, you know, I, I'm dedicated to watch it. I've been sitting here going, wow, this is good enough for me to watch. And if it's good enough for me to spend 40 minutes of my uh, time watching, then it's it's worthy of seeing, for sure. It's definitely, check it out on catch-up TV. It's, it's worth it. But I'm just not quite seeing the fear. I'm not seeing the, just the activity that I guess maybe we're so used to seeing in, in other stories of, you know, massive disasters and apocalypse and, and stuff like that. Maybe it's just taken a different angle instead of, you know, mass hysteria. You know, there's a couple of people having mass breakdowns and the community yeah. as a whole is, is dealing with it. And, you know, look, it, it, it's interesting. It's um, it, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, actually, you know what? One of the other shows that you must check out, Hell on Wheels. Season one, season two, I bought them both in high def on iTunes. My God, that is a, a good TV series. It's by AMC. And it's yeah. it's based on the Union Pacific Railway, the building of the Union Pacific Railway. That's why I recognize the title. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I have not seen the whole thing. And uh, I did mean to watch it when it was on, um, you know, actually in broadcast, because I don't think they're broadcasting it right now. No, but it comes um, back. Season three starts August 10. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to when I can actually say when the new season starts, that tells you how good it is. That show just amazes me. You know what? I, I sort of like the way AMC does their stuff. Initially, I criticized Breaking Bad for having short seasons. But Hell on Wheels has short seasons too. Ten, you know, one-hour episodes to a season. Um there's something good about that and the UK has been doing this for years where they've had 6 to 10 episodes in a season it doesn't get boring and there's no episode where you know those episodes where they go back into dreamy land because they've run out of budget and they've got to do you know hey let's go and re you know re-show the same footage or something you never get that kind of thing with it, which is good. I think AMC's really hit it on the head for the American market. We don't need 20 and 24 episodes in a, in a season to have a successful show. Get the story done, get it done really well, and move on, and, and keep the story flowing. And uh, Breaking Bad certainly does that. that. That last season's coming in now, and Hell on Wheels, that's just been a roller coaster ride. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing i've thoroughly enjoyed both seasons can't wait for season three and um yeah it's kevin i you with trains it's definitely worth seeing it you know yeah even you know even and i love the old west and and when i say the old west you know i live vicariously through the media and the books and so forth that come out of the u.s i love the that sort of stage in history i'm not one for modern history but if i've got to look at modern history then that's definitely you know on the radar and it's just one of those times that i don't know for me i feel connected to i feel interested in i've always liked that turn of the century kind of thing the the 1800s up to you know the early 1900s beyond that not so much but Really, anything before World War One was really good. And look, anything American history, um, you know, look, you know more about it than I do, of course. But it interests me as, a, as an outsider looking in. Um, it's one of those things that you know is really quite intriguing. Uh, and and look, this isn't based on historical fact either. It, it's a story. It, it's fictional, but. The Union Pacific Railway did get built, and the characters are named after the same characters. It's very similar to uh, my other favourite drama, which is Deadwood. Absolutely love Deadwood. Um, Different era. um, Actually, Mike would probably uh, like that, because he's sort of in that that area. Um, But great series. Three seasons. I wish they made more, but you know what? They made three killer seasons. And it's just that, you know, that really rustic kind of feel to everything. It's, uh, I don't know, I, I could, I 
Maybe I lived there in a previous life, Kevin. Maybe you should get the DeLorean and go back in time so that you can live in that time. Yeah, well, Doc Brown did. That's what I mean. That absolutely you could join, perfect. You, you could join him and, you know, join him back in that time and, and you'd be you'd be perfect. I have to say, though, I do... I often joke that I'm a, um, I was born about uh, 20 or 30 years too late. Mm-hmm. I always think that my, my way of thinking, maybe I just think I'm outdated and old-fashioned, and my mindset and my values, not that I'm saying my values are right, wrong, or indifferent, are more suited to somebody that was probably born you know, in the, uh, maybe the 40s or maybe the 30s or maybe even the 20s. Hmm. So, um, had, of course, then you- I'd be really old. Have you seen the movie Cloud Atlas? Because it's one of those films that I've been looking forward to seeing, but I haven't had the time. Maybe I should sit down this weekend and and check it out. Um, But Cloud Atlas basically talks, uh, from what I gather from the the trailer, I don't go to Wikipedia because I don't want the spoilers, Uh, but from what I gather from the trailer, it's basically about two people, man and woman, who consistently... get born, live, die, and then interact their lives and, and mix their lives through different nationalities, but they're still living, and then they get to the stage where they leave hints for themselves for the next life. You know how you have that deja vu thing happen occasionally, and it's like, that's yeah. a really interesting topic, because we really don't know what happens after death, and we really don't know what happens before birth, and we really don't know where our soul comes from. So you start to think... Is there something mystical that links us all together? Um, and and that's just, you know, really cool. I mean, I, I like that. I, <laughs> God, Kevin. I, I, I sort of like that idea. For me, it's like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it would be really, really cool. My problem is that if I could time travel and do things like, or something similar to that, I'd probably go back in time, kick my young ass, and then I probably wouldn't exist now because I'd beat the snot out of myself. Because I was that obnoxious. And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) Talk about Kevin coming out of the closet and and, and, then bringing the skeletons out. Boy, jeez, that's that's damning on you, Kevin. But you know know something? That's always that that duality, I guess it is, that they talk about with time travel. What would happen if you would go back in history and meet, say, your great-great-grandfather in a bar, get in a fight, and kill him? Well, you wouldn't be here to kill him, so... Well, how did you come forward and, you know, and I mean, there's all kinds of theories about how that could happen and all that. But, I mean, you start to think about things like that, it's like, oh, that's why I love that episode of The Simpsons. I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan or not. I am, but you know what? It started getting a bit wacky, so I stopped watching it for a number of years. Yeah, I haven't watched it for a few years. I watch it every once in a while. But there was an episode where Homer kept going back in time, and he said, don't touch anything, and he'd sneeze on something, and (laughs) it would change time, and he'd he'd get out of the time machine, step on something, he'd go, "Uh uh-oh, you know, what did that cause (laughs) happen, you know, and then he'd go back to where at present day, and... You know, he'd there'd be donuts flying around the house. You know, just all this weird crap that one the butterfly effect is one way to think. Hey, there's a cool movie. Have you ever seen yes. that one? Yep, I love that movie. It's freaky, but I love it. <laughs> the director's cut is the best one. Yep, not the regular version. Yeah, I've seen it. It's very good. And uh, you know, Star Trek also does a lot of the the time travel stuff as well in their story arcs, um, which I find really interesting. Um, you know, look, it, it's just one of those interesting things. Who knows if we can even time travel? Time travel. I'll dribble in a minute. Uh, you know, I just wanted it, to drink the beer. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm feeling the effects of that wild turkey now. Um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, there's so much unknown in this world that we can't close our minds to any one thing. And uh, if it seems incredibly silly because it's magical, because we don't understand it, then my vote is, well, it could possibly happen. Well, you know, I had a conversation uh, yesterday with somebody about global warming. And, you know, I said, I don't believe that what they predict about global warming, I don't deny that it's happening, 
But my big thing is, I don't think we know what's really happening. This is all part of a huge, a much bigger cycle than we can even conceive. We're just... We're just mere men. We're just mere mortals. You know, I mean, how can we conceive and, and be arrogant enough to think that we understand, you know, that, yes, this is happening. This is exactly, yeah, because scientists have done it. And well, the same scientists two, three, four hundred years ago, however long ago it was, thought the earth was flat and the sun revolved <laughs> around there. So it's no disrespect to any scientist out there. They deal with the best information available to them at the time that they have it. And things continually change. Just like, I mean, even not that long ago, you talk about the um, the uh, or you know, the 1800s and stuff like that. People were convinced that the swamps and stuff like that were the cause of all the sicknesses and things like that. Mm -hmm. The wetlands were these bad things. You had to fill in the wetlands. Well, guess what, people? The wetlands help filter the crap that's on the ground and clean our water. You know, it was, you know, and it was the mosquitoes that were causing the sicknesses. And so, you yep. know, it, but you know, everybody's, oh no, this is what's doing it. This is the problem. So, you know, I'll say that it comes to global warming. Yes, the Earth, the temperature is getting bigger. How big an impact man is actually having and causing on that? I don't think we can actually measure. I don't care what they say. I don't believe we can actually measure. Because how do we know that if we stopped all greenhouse gases, that the temperature would not continue to rise on the Earth? How well, do we know it's that it's going to continue to rise because the sun will eventually explode? It will, it, it's growing in size. It's going to explode, and it will consume the Earth. Okay, albeit a couple of billion years time, but that will happen. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We, we we can only kind of pontificate or kind of think we understand these things. You know, just like the theory behind the universe. The universe is continually expanding. At some point it will contract. And it will when it finally contracts, it will be an even bigger bang than the big bang that created the universe, is what they say. Again, I think that's great. Theory is great. But to, for us to be so arrogant, and I'm not saying that we don't need to stop the release of greenhouse gases. That's not what I'm saying. We do need to do those things. I mean, it is unhealthy for whatever effect it's having on the planet, but it's also unhealthy for everybody else. I mean, we, you know, that's that's just bad for the environment. But to to say that, you know, the scientists can say with 100% certainty, that's just pure arrogance on the part of human of mankind in my opinion to think that we can say with 100% certainty that this is what's going to happen. It's going to happen this way. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm getting philosophical here. I drank a beer. I should just be asleep. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, that's my two cents on it. I, 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 I disagree with – I don't disagree with the fact that global warming is happening. I disagree with the fact that we can say – because they were talking about the fact that the temperature has paused. You know, the planet's temperature, average temperature hadn't increased for – I forget how many years. Mm -hmm. We're having one of the coolest summers. We've had a we had a terrible heat wave here last week, but then now the temperatures have gone back down. I mean, a couple mornings this week, it's been in the uh, uh, upper fifties when I've left mm -hmm. to go to work around in the morning. Beautiful weather, you know me. I love that kind of yep. weather. You'd you'd have on your long woolies or whatever oh, else. You know. But I mean, to me, that's beautiful. This is July. To have that kind of weather in July in Virginia. Almost unheard of. So I'm going global warming. Really, <laughs> it's cooling here, people. But you know, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I just. But I think at the same time, the 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 Earth and the universe that surrounds it is its own living entity anyway, and it keeps adapting to everything that gets thrown at it. So yeah, I mean, there's some validity there. I mean, and, and I agree with you that you know scientists only have access to X amount of information and they keep coming up with new ways to refine what they're doing and to re-explain things. I mean, you, you could come out with, you know, a, a complete history of, of all the things that have been proven to be scientifically inaccurate, but in their time, they were accurate and they were a, a gospel. Right, exactly. That, and that's, that's part of my point. I mean, they at one time thought the earth was flat 
and the sun revolved around the earth. Based on the empirical data that they had access to, perfectly valid point. Yep. Perfectly valid point. But as the more data came in and people started going, mm, I don't know about that. That's what I say. I think it's just ridiculous for people for, for mankind to assume that we know everything. And we certainly don't. And on that note, Kevin, I uh, I think it's time for us to, to leave Geeky a show over for this week before we, uh, we, we inform more people about everything that we don't know. Or we know everything about what they do know and tell them what we don't know when we do. Right? Um, my my CPU's having a crash at the moment in my head. I... Ah. Yeah. That's a it with a split infinitive in the middle. That blew my mind. <laughs> so, Kevin, where can the listeners find out more about you if they want their mind blown? Well, you can check me out over on the really trippy, trippy web service called Twitter at uh, B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. You can also find me on app.net, although I keep forgetting to go on and check app.net. That place but- sucks. Oh, don't say that. It's it's a nice little place. But you can go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder and find links to all of that there. Fantastic. And for anything relating to me, simply head across to markgreentree.com. Well, thank you for listening and subscribing. Until next week, take care. And don't forget, between now and next week, to hug a geek. Hello, people. My name's Peter Bird, and I'm the host of the Deep Look podcast. The idea behind the show is that we talk to our guests and we learn more about them, the subjects, the people, the things that shape their lives or the things they're interested in or the things they would possibly want to know more about. Basically, we just like to look a little deeper and see what's there and to learn. If that appeals to you or you like that idea or if even if you have a guest that you think we should try and speak to, then come on by and give us a go. We are part of the Stoplight Network.